Welcome back, everybody. This is your host, Glenn, and you are listening in to The Raw Talk. And today, we bring to you Season 1, Episode 9, uh, my second international interview. I have a gentleman from India here who we met on a Facebook uh, podcast support group. He was excited to come on the show, uh, Russian Shetty. I want to thank you for being on the show. absolutely thrilled thank you for having me on the show i think uh, it's really exciting to speak with people uh, at different locations uh, where i can where i can put down my ideas my thoughts and uh, you know it's it's great it's great thank you for having me and i hope it's it's really valuable for you and for your listeners yeah i think we got a great episode coming up about emotional intelligence and let me just give the viewers um, the listeners a backstory to russian uh, Russia Shetty is an author, career mentor, and blogger. Uh, he's a full-time corporate professional with 18 years of experience in the banking and telecom industry. His tenure in the corporate landscape and in, in the corporate landscape has been truly rewarding. Uh, he took to writing and podcasting after a battle with anxiety and panic attacks, post uh, which he started studying on human psychology and what makes us vulnerable. His debut book has been well received and appreciated by readers, which is relevant to the time we are in now. Various media outlets in India um, have also covered the book launch and written extensively about the idea behind it. Um, I think that you are uh, a great person to have on the show. I'm excited to dive in here and talk to you, man. Um, why don't you give us a little bit more in depth uh, about your life? Um, like I said, you're, you're in India right now. What what time is it there? Well, it's uh, just past 7.30 in the evening, and I understand it's uh, early morning back where you are yeah so i think i had to wake you up uh <laughs> to get, a, get this episode running so uh thank you for that uh yes, thank sir. you for uh, you know having uh me early in your show and uh that was an elaborate introduction thank you so much for that uh let me tell you let me be very frank i was nowhere close to reading writing or uh, trying to understand human psychology. I mean, I, I was a happy-go-lucky corporate professional uh, working with various companies here in India and doing my part. But uh, this is something which uh, which came through uh, somewhere in 2015 where I started developing anxiety and panic attacks and I had no clue on why this was happening because I never had those challenges uh, as a child or growing up. Uh, Initially, it was hard to decode what exactly was happening. Uh, I I did not take any professional help. I just uh, let it be there and you know, get. I just thought it might be a might be a short change or a change of uh, you know thoughts which I'm running at. But I just let it be. But it just grew on to me, and you know, simple things that I would normally do became very difficult to execute. That's when I realized that I need to take professional help. I need to take professional counseling. And I started seeing a doctor and trying to explain what I was going through, which I was very thankful for because then eventually she was able to explain to me the process and why this was happening. Hmm. Uh, uh, I, I, had to, I had to fight my own battles because, uh, you know, although you, you do seek counseling at the end, it's how you uh, tune your mind, how you get those nuts and fixed uh it's it's all it's on your hands you can get the best of advice but how what you do with that advice is completely up to you uh i then started taking or reading books to divert my attention from the negative thoughts which i was having fortunately i got uh some really good books on my hand to understand the condition and what i was going through and uh post reading that i just thought to myself why don't i start blogging about this and i started writing articles and uh, I started sharing that with my friends uh, and my relatives and they gave me a very good feedback because it, to them it was quite relevant in the times that we are in. Uh, post writing that gave me the confidence to go ahead and write a book which I was able to complete last year in 2020 amongst the pandemic and had it released in September. Uh, I'm really thankful and pleased that the book has been well received. People see the idea and the purpose behind it. Uh, the pandemic situation has been a classic case yeah. uh, to explain people uh, the volatility and the uncertainty and the complexity of the times that we are living in. And uh, to be frank, I, I, I see this to be the norm. You know, we always say change is the only constant that I see this change to be the norm uh, because uh, 
there are quite a few issues that uh, I think the world is looking at. One is pandemic was something which was never on the cards, but we have bigger issues of like something like global warming or the climate change. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do not know how humanity would be able to control that. You know, uh, it's it's good we are able to bring out a vaccine in nine months, but I really don't know how can we uh arrest climate change the issues that are going on with the climate yeah uh so that that one change and one complexity again which we need to be tuned to so the concepts of the book uh try to explain people in terms of how do we need to align our thoughts how we need to internalize our uh our world and you know whatever happens on the outside uh depends a lot on what you think and what you manifest yeah. So what is, uh, what's the name of the book? I don't think we talked about that. So that if, uh, you know, listeners want to find it, where can they find it? What's the name? Oh yeah. I think I got so excited. I just forgot the name. <laughs> yeah, it happens. It happens. Yeah. So, uh, it's the, the book is titled shift left and, uh, uh, there's a very funny story because I, I posted the cover design, the sample design on some of the groups, especially in uh, in some of the American communities. And they started uh, looking at it as a political book. Uh, and many said, no, no, I don't want to be on the left. I'm good on the right. And then I had to explain that this, is, this has nothing to do with American politics. Well, shift left uh, is, uh, is a term which is used in software development where, you know, uh, where they say when you test out a product, when you you code in for a product and you test it out, yeah. Typically, the testing phase is kept on the right, and the testing is done post the product release. Uh, shift left is a process where you test early before the product goes live, so that you are able to, uh, you know, handle the bugs, handle the glitches, mm. uh, and ensure that the program is error free when it goes out. So I use the same terminology for human emotions uh before we get into areas of mental instability i i my pitch is to understand these emotions better and that's where the the part of emotional intelligence comes in where we are able to regulate our emotions better by acknowledging them by accepting them and then by working on them to for our own betterment so yeah. it's shift left on your emotions for a mental well-being. That is that's that's really funny that you said the whole political thing because I'm in, I'm in uh, the United States and once you said that title I was like oh is this like a political book as in you know um, a pitch to have people uh, join the left side of the political spectrum. Uh, I'm glad that you cleared that up and uh, yeah. you did talk about a lot of stuff yeah. and I've I have written down a few questions that have popped into my mind. Um, so I just want to ask the first one. Um, you did talk about anxiety and depression, um, and you started suffering from this in 2015. Um, how old were you in 2015, and what prompted you to know that you were dealing with depression and, and anxiety? Well, I'm 38 now, so this was six years ago. So we are talking about when I was 32, 33. And like as, as I said, it went on for three years, so during from 33 to 35, 36 is the time uh, when when I was dealing with anxiety. Uh, well, initially, it was hard to fathom. It was difficult to understand what was happening. Like I mentioned, this was the first time that I was going through uh, such, such a phase. And, uh, you know, uh, it was only after I took professional help, I took mental counseling, mm. uh, when I met an expert, is when I actually got to know the problem that was on hand. Uh, which was good because otherwise I was just waving a sword blindfolded, you know. And that's that's the part which I keep telling people: if you have an issue, seek counseling. Go and seek an expert. Uh, do not try to self-medicate or self try to get out of it by yourself. It will yeah. never happen. Do you need an expert? You do need a guide <clears throat> to take you out. You know, that's funny that you say that. And what I want to ask you or your opinion on here, and this just popped into my mind is I know some people um, who are really close to me that suffer with, you know, anxiety and depression, and they see turning to a doctor as a form of weakness. Um, That medication provided by a doctor is meant to really dope up citizens who, you know, go to a doctor to say, hey, look, I'm, I'm dealing with anxiety and depression. How do you feel and what do you speak to a listener who may think that, um, seeing a doctor for, you know, the depression or anxiety is a sign of weakness. 
Well, uh, that's that's a very important point that you make. Uh, before I go there, uh, I would also like to touch upon on what we define as mental sickness. Uh, mental sickness doesn't mean you know a person talking to himself or confining himself into a room or you know being depressed. Uh, the lifestyle that we live in today, there are many areas which which uh, relate to mental sickness. Uh, addiction to the smartphones, technology is also a kind of mental sickness. If I am if I get up in the morning and the, the first thing that I latch on to is my Facebook or my Instagram handle, even that is a form of mental sickness. Wow. Uh, so so there, there, are, there are different kinds and, and these disorders are not completely known to us because these are the new age disorders. Uh, we know very well about heart diseases. We know very well about cancer. We very well know about diabetes and we know very well because there's a lot of history to that. But these are the new age disorders that we are, we are not very clear of it. But the 2018 report of World Health Organization has has a list of 450 million people who suffer for one kind of mental disability or the other. So that how that's huge. You know, that's how huge the problem is uh, that we are looking at. Uh, I think I think we need to though the people like you mentioned are you know, really pull themselves back and do not want to commit themselves to therapy. I think they should look at this as any other any other disease or any other physical injury they get. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you get a physical injury, you would not stop yourself to go to a doctor and take proper medication. Yeah, I think mental injuries, mental wounds also need that same treatment. And there are experts who deal with a wide range of mental issues. Not getting proper sleep is also a mental issue which needs to be addressed. You know, I just, wow. uh, I read a wonderful book, uh, which is Why We Sleep, uh, you know, which gives complete science of sleep and the mental issues that come out of uh, a lack of sleep. So I think, I think we, we need to look at these issues in that light and we need to take mental issues much more seriously than physical issues because to deal with physical issues, I think we do have home remedies. We know what medicine to do, but with mental issues, at times it really gets difficult to, you know, get it correct by ourselves. And do we do need counseling? We do need external help. We do need to speak out, and that's the most important thing: speak out to people, reach out to people, talk about your problems, tell them yeah. how you are feeling. Uh, what I learned after seeking counseling is that you need to always question yourself on how are you feeling right now, because a state of depression, a state of frustration, a state of anger, or a state of jealousy is not a permanent state. A permanent state is to be in bliss, is happiness. Wow! Yeah, we need to appreciate that. We need to appreciate that fact. So these are not temporary. These are not permanent phases. You need to question yourself. Another question, how am I feeling now? Yeah, um, I think your audio went out a little bit. Uh, I can hear you good. It just sounds like you're a little muffled. No, I just uh, call in between, so I think it might be from that. Uh, okay, so I, I thought of something when you were talking here, and I wanted to ask your opinion on this is, do you think that there is a correlation versus causation between uh, failure and mental illness? And uh, this is the topic which I have tried to address in my book. Uh, the way we have been looking at failures all these years, all the time along, uh, relates directly to mental depressions. And today I don't call failures failures. I call them, I, talk, I mention them as learnings. What do I learn from something which has not worked out for me? I, I definitely need to learn a lot. That is rich in experience. I don't get that learning uh, from any academy or any institute that I was enrolled for a course. I would get that by real life experience. Uh, unfortunately, our society, the times that we are in, it always uh, you know, champions the cause of success. It always promotes success and says, this is what you need to do to be successful. This is how you get to success. Uh, this is what you can do after being successful, but no one talks about how to deal with failures. No one speaks about how to get back to ground zero yeah. after suffering a blow. You know, and that's that's a sad part because the learning, the mental learning that comes out of failure, all all gets washed away. 
then you only drown yourself into some kind of misery or grief because you have faith. Yeah, so you brought up the word success. How is success defined to you? I made this quote in my book where I said that we need to move from one failure to another failure with equal excitement and enthusiasm and enjoy the success in between. Uh, I think our outlook towards life is that we need to challenge ourselves uh, by things that we are scared to do, where we feel we might be vulnerable, where we might falter. And the time when you are able to prove yourself wrong when you when you get uh, you know when you are able to execute something which you thought you were not able to you know that is success you know and and that that would always be through some pain through a low point in life where when you have hit rock bottom with something and you think you cannot come back up or you know this is something which you feel is completely out of your way it is not right up your alley I think when you still go ahead and do that and say that, okay, fine, I know my limitations, I know what might, you know, stop me, my what might be the challenge that I face, but I will still go ahead and do that. I think that is success. Uh, when you can challenge your own limits, uh, when you can break the ceiling, which you know the imaginary ceiling, which is above you, and to go and conquer and set new limits, new boundaries. I think that is success. The success. How I define it by setting new limitations to what you already have. Hmm. I like that. And, and anything that anything that comes anything that comes along with it, the money, the fame, uh, you know, that those are just metaphors and nothing else. Because uh, when 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 you do get successful with something, uh, do you sit back and just enjoy the success uh, permanently, or uh, fine, you do cherish that, you know, you can. Maybe go and have a glass of wine, relax. But then, what do you do next day? Do you bask in the glory, or do you still say that how far can I stretch this? Yeah, I think that's quite interesting. That 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 brings a lot of meaning and purpose to our life as well. And I think uh, that for me is uh, the definition of success, or at least how I look at it. Yeah. So, do you think that success is better obtained when you uh, put yourself through more more failures in life? Or do you think failure has nothing, um, no impact on how how much you succeed in life? No, uh, definitely. Now, uh, if if we look at the term success, uh, you know, something. If let's say if I'm able to, uh, you know, let's say I, I'm writing a book, and the writing is my forte. There is no there is no problem at all in in writing books after books. But then eventually I, I think to myself that this is, you know, I'm bored out of this writing, it's making no sense. It might be well received by the audience in the market. But I want to try something out different. I want to write a different genre. I want to write about something else, which where I'm really challenged. You know, it challenges my writing capability. It challenges my thought process. Yeah. It challenges everything in me. Uh, so, so in that sense, I sh I should be ready to accept failure as well. The problem happens over here is we are not very well versed in accepting failures uh, because we are not prepared for it. We assume that everything will just work out. We just need to show up and everything will just happen by its own. Uh, I think the yeah. current society, the current mindset, is in tune to that, uh, and that that's how we need to we need to change that narrative. We need to change uh, those. Those, that thought process of thinking that you know uh, what success really means. So I, I was I was reading this book, uh, which the title was "Marking Up Under the Wrong Tree," and he mentions about uh, the rape across America. I'm sure you might have heard about it. You know, which which spans across the entire East Coast to the West Coast, uh, and the winner of was a, a person who won the who won the contest for about seven years in a row. Uh, was mentally challenged. He was a really aggressive person. But because of the aggression, because of that failure, he was able to win the championship year after year. It was that craziness which he had which pushed him to success. And I'm sure none of his opponents or 
anyone in the media would see that challenge, would see the failure in him. They would always glorify, you know, what he has done, but they would never see the failure which stands behind him. Yeah. I think, I think it's quite relative. Uh, I think it's quite, uh, uh, you know, it, it complements each other, I would say. There's no success without failure. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. And I think that you have to exper- experience some type of failure in your life to be able to make you successful because, uh, I mean, you look at some people who really haven't had failure, and these are the people that are born into uh, wealthy families, and then they experience failure, but they don't know how to cope with it. And in turn, that leads to um, mental mental sickness that we've been talking about. And uh, for me, what I think is that failure builds character. And character is what you need to be successful. So is there a correlation between failure and success? Absolutely. Absolutely. But at the same time, it's um, it's how a person's character really builds itself through trial and tribulation. And it kind of brings us to right back around to emotional intelligence and, and your book. Um, because I feel like when you're more self-aware of your presence and your mind and body and uh, you experience a failure in life, you are more susceptible and um, prone to be able to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and overcome challenges and failures to reach your ultimate goal of success. And I want to talk about uh, the book, and we'll get into that in a second with emotional intelligence, because I did do a little research on it last night because I thought it was a super interesting topic. But one question that I had, and it reverts back to the whole anxiety and depression, um, essentially is are people who suffer from um, mental illness, are they more, more prone to fail? Well, uh, that, that's the most popular or widespread notion about uh, uh, mental disease and failures. But at the same time, as I mentioned, uh, it just requires you to cross that hurdle once. Uh, you know, when I was going, when I was going through the challenges uh, of anxiety, you know, I, I kept to myself, what what happens after this? You know, will I be able to cope with this and come through, or do I submit to a fate in saying that this is the way I always have to live my life? And there's one point where where you take that decision and say that, okay, you know, you need to move on, you know. You, you either, I mean, and that, that happens from person to person, you either move on or either you just submit yourself uh, to that feeling or to that experience that you're going through. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have the tools and resources around me to come out of it, you know, seeking uh, help, going to a professional counselor, yeah. or reading books or talking to people around me. Uh, and I'm very well aware that they might around the world who might not have those resources, uh, who might be lonely, who might not be able to speak with people. Yeah. Uh, so I am well, well aware, and there might be places uh, around the world where you don't have those kind of infrastructure and facility to help you out. Uh, the idea for me to write a book was to address this issue, uh, you know, to be that friend and to be that guide to be those people who are actually trying to seek help. To explain complex, to explain complex mental uh, states in a very simple way to the average layman reader. You know that was my that was my thought process. Mm. So unfortunately, to come back to your question, is you know, does men, does a mental issue lead to failure? And I think it can to be very frank, it can go either way. It depends yeah. on uh, what's available to you, uh, how do you look at it, what's your approach in life. Uh, and, and mind you, if you're able to take that hurdle or you're able to take that leap and come towards the other side, well, if you're fortunate enough in life, I think then there's no looking back. Because yeah. uh, you have been broken once and you have been rejoined and you have developed the coping mechanisms. So, you know, it's, it's like you have developed the antibodies to sustain, uh, sustain a virus. You know, I think people would relate to that uh, much more now. So I think once you have developed the antibodies in your mind, I think then you become really rock strong and then you understand yeah. your mindset. You are emotionally aware of different uh, experiences that you go through and you have 
the answers available to be able to die. That's a great way to look at it. And, you know, I just keep reverting back to the fact of correlation between uh, mental illness and failure. Um, mm-hmm. to, to me, I think that yeah. they go hand in hand. And the reason I say this is um, I'm a very strong mental person. I haven't really suffered from depression or anxiety through my entire life. But um, during the pandemic mm-hmm. and when I had a career um, in construction, I got laid off. And during that time, due to the failure of feeling that you weren't good enough to be with a company, I think I experienced depression. So when I say correlation between the two, I think that going through hard things in your life can indeed induce mental mental illness. It's just the way that someone copes with it is how they can uh, overcome such challenges in their life. So I'm glad we kind of touched on that. And I kind of wanted to just put my input in on it too. And I mean, you can look at it the opposite way is someone who does suffer from um, mental illness throughout their whole life, um, and they experience a failure, um, are they more likely to say, you know, fuck it, uh, I feel like I can't do anything right while still battling these uh, demons, which we call mental illness. So I think there's a fine line toted between the two, and you can correlate one between the other one or the opposite way. So um, I just wanted to put my kind of input and, and my side in that. And then it leads me to another question that I kind of had it leads me to my other question that I wrote down was how, uh, you know, what's some advice from your standpoint on how to remain positive when suffering mental illness and experiencing failures? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, while, while I was doing my research and I was reading other books, uh, you know, seeing a lot of videos, listening to a lot of TED Talks, I... Uh, I saw some self-help gurus who say that you always need to foster, you always need to look at the bright side of life. And I would rather take a counterintuitive approach to that. You know, uh, the more we try to hide the darkness and the gloom that uh, exists around us, uh, we go into a deeper existential crisis for ourselves. Uh, and that's, that's dangerous. Uh, we need to acknowledge uh, we need to acknowledge and look at things as it is, uh, with a very pragmatic view, you know, uh, we need to call a spade a spade and we need to call, uh, call of whatever issues and problems that turn around us. Let, let us take the issue of the, the ongoing just go out, you know, the, the pandemic bullshit. Then we know what kind of problems with the most. We have seen that in certain places, certain countries who did not believe in science, who went by their own fate, with their own dogmas, and you know, tackling this issue. And we saw the problems that came out of it. It's, it's very similar to our emotions as well. The moment we do not accept uh, failures or negativity is the time when we start pushing this under the carpet. And you would definitely have these rearing out in a very ugly way uh, at some other point in your life. Wow. The most, the best part is to always take it head on. If, if, if you see there's a problem, go and try to understand the problem rather than say, you know, everything is fine. The world is a garden and the world is definitely beautiful. And the only way you can say it's beautiful is when you have taken it upon you to address the thorns or address the gloom around it. I yeah. think I think you need to learn to coexist with the good times, with the bad times, and and come out of it with some way with a balanced approach to it. You know, Gautam Buddha. I'm not sure if you heard of him, one of the greatest philosophers, and you know, I've seen as a deity of uh, in a religion. He mentioned, you know, that expectations are expectations is the root of all problems. Yep. And man should be without any expectations. When only when a man is without any expectations, he has a rational view of the world around him. Yeah. And that's I, that's very profound, you know. Yeah. No, you're <laughs> right. That is what uh, we should aim to live at. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, so we are coming up on 30 minutes here. We have to take a quick break. Um, we will be back in a second. Um, we're going to talk more about your book, talk about emotional intelligence, overcoming some challenges, and then we'll get into a fun question or two, and then we'll let you be on your way. But I appreciate you being here. Uh, we'll be right back from this break. All right. 
What's going on, everybody? This is Glenn from the Raw Talk, your favorite host, and I am here to talk to you about Anchor, the platform that I use to record and upload all of my podcasts. Uh, If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it's free. So you know me, easy and free. That's what I like. There are creation tools on this platform that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you to all platforms so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money also from your podcast, which is a super good benefit with no minimum listenership. So, boom, get that in there. But I wanted to say that it is everything that you need from a podcast in one place. Easy, convenient, free. You can make money. It's a no-brainer. Why don't you guys head over to the website today and check it out. Go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back, everybody. This is Glenn, and I am still here with Rashawn. Uh, Russian. I'm sorry. I, I, I told you I was going to butcher that name. <laughs> My fault, buddy. But uh, we are going to pick up this uh, second segment here and talk a little bit about Russian's book um, and the uh, topic of the book and the topic of this podcast as emotional intelligence. So, uh, Russian, why don't you walk us through um, what the book means to you, uh, what it's about, and um, how it can really impact someone's life? Sure. So the book is divided into 12 chapters and each chapter tries to address, uh, you know, one human emotion. So there's one chapter which will ask you to unlearn certain aspects and knowledge that you already have, you know, concept emotions. One chapter would speak about how external forces like media, various business houses and political entities will try to manipulate your emotions and try to create a bias within. Uh, There's one chapter which speaks about your subconscious mind and the way you think and what gets registered and how your habits uh, develop. There's one chapter which will speak about social fallacies and validations and the approvals that we try to get around from people, which sometimes are good, but most of the times, you know, they completely damage us. Uh, there's one chapter which speaks purely on relationships, the way we mend our relationships and the way we interface with each other. Uh, there's one chapter which speaks on fear. And with, with these chapters, I have been trying to elaborate or articulate the problem of acknowledging uh, our emotions in each of these different phases that we go through. Later on, the book dwells into technology uh, because I want the reader to understand that once you are able to regulate your emotions well, how do you deal with technology as we move into the robotic age? you know, we are working with artificial intelligence systems. We are working in an age of machine learning, robotics. You know, these systems are designed by powerful corporations to change your worldview, to change your ideas, to change what you think about certain things, to change about change your opinions in something. Uh, you know, how how therefore uh, do we create that emotionally intelligent system? to deal with this new monster that we are completely unaware of. You know, that is what, so it's a very important chapter, the 10th chapter, uh, which is titled Decoding the Core. And then I speak about the new age morality. I I touch upon subjects of ethics and what should be the right morals that we should follow for well-being. And eventually it ends in creating a legacy. What kind of legacy? Wow do I want to create in my life for myself and for the future generation? That is phenomenal. And I know that you talked about chapter 10, uh, which kind of answers my question, but I'm going to ask you anyway, is in your view, what is the most important chapter in your book and why? I I would say the 10th chapter is most important because today, as I mentioned in the previous question is that, uh, it's now been proved that human beings can be hackable. You know, someone, a very powerful machine or a very powerful algorithm can hack into the human brain, create a bias or plant a bias and get him to act the way they want to do it. And we see that with powerful corporations today on social media, uh, platforms or, you know, uh, uh, most of these most of these digital networks that we lie in. 
so we are living in an age where we, it's been proved that humans can be hacked. Uh, so how do we deal with this? How do we deal with this rampant change around us? You know, the, uh, with the automation that is happening. How do yeah. I upskill myself? Uh, when we moved from the from the industrial age into the computing age, the change still worked at a pace which was manageable. I still had four, five years, or maybe ten years with me to upskill myself to use computers. But today, yeah. I have changes that happen. You know, in two to three years, how many times can I upgrade myself? How wow. many times can I learn a new skill to be relevant to the corporate world to be relevant in the to be employable by organizations and corporations will that, my skill be valued that's funny so that's there, fu- there is a lot of complexity yeah i was gonna say that that's funny that you said the uh how to fit in into corporate the corporate world because when i was doing research on this last night i kind of wrote down uh five um important you know um components of emotional intelligence from a standpoint of being an employee and what I have down here, and I want to read it to you, uh-huh. and I want to get your opinion on it. So I have down uh, number one as being self-awareness, um, number two as being motivation, number three as self-regulation, uh, number four as uh, social skills, and number five as empathy. Do you think that those five components of emotional intelligence provide a roadmap for the identification and sharing of emotions in organizational uh, settings? Do you think those are like valid absolutely absolutely valid and uh, as you mentioned the world economic forum report uh says uh list emotional intelligence as, as you know the one of the top 10 skills uh which will be required in the next 10 years uh but we are not training people on emotional intelligence we are training people for the skills that they have how they can improve on certain skills but will those skills even be relevant? Uh, the change that goes around. So what do you what do you highlighted? Motivation, uh, you know, self acknowledgement, understanding yourself. All these are very crucial components and pillars of emotional intelligence that no one speaks about, unfortunately. Yeah. What is it? And, Go ahead. Go ahead. I, and coming, and, yeah, and coming back, as you mentioned, the most important, that's the reason the 10th chapter, uh, like I was mentioning about technology, that's the that's the game changer in the book that really shifts the perspective of the person from his own emotions to understand a new external monster that awaits us and how we can use this emotional intelligence to build over the artificial intelligence system that exists. There has to be a system that is that can supersede the artificial intelligence system developed by powerful corporations. Mm. What does it mean to have bad emotional intelligence? Did you hear me on that question? Uh, no, I just lost you completely. Oh, okay. I'll repeat it. Yeah. Well, that's the downfall of doing these Google, uh, these Google meets. Uh, I mean, you're in India and I'm here. I don't feel bad. I've had it done in Africa before and, and we lose them, but that's fine. Yeah. So the question was, is what does it mean to have bad emotional intelligence? Well, I would say uh, a lack of emotional intelligence, you know, uh, I wouldn't say bad. I would say being low on emotional intelligence. Uh, when you are not aware of why things are happening around you, when you're not aware of why you make certain decisions, when you're not aware of how do you manage your relation, manage an emotion, you know, which which gets the better of you. You know, when you're angry and if you react immediately, that is when you are low on emotional intelligence. You know, there's, I always make this point of deep moment as was beautifully written and described by Dr. Viktor Frankl in his uh, profound book, which which uh, title Man's Search for Meaning, where he says the moment which comes between a stimuli and your reaction is the moment that you need to control. And once you start understanding, once you gain control on that fraction of a second to say, okay, 
you know, I need to act differently, is the time when you would be superior with your emotional intelligence and you can control many things around you in a much better way. So I won't say bad emotional intelligence. I think most of us are always low on our emotional intelligence to start with mm -hmm. for various reasons, for various forces. The way society, the way cultures and the way uh, you know things are around us, the forces are around us. So I think we all start with a very low emotional intelligence. But it is upon us and even more importantly in the times that we live in, to increase that and to improve that, you know, by mindfulness, by factfulness, and having a deeper understanding of why things uh, happen the way they do. Yeah, you kind of stole the question that I had popped into my mind, written down right here. Was the next one was, uh, you know, how can we improve emotional intelligence? Can you go a little bit deeper in the in how we can uh, obtain emotional intelligence from starting at a you know at a baseline zero, let's say? I think uh, it's 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 like there's there's a blackboard in front of you with too many things written on it, and that's our mind. Our mind is filled with millions of millions of experiences, of interactions, of people whom we know. Uh, the first step that you take is to clear the blackboard. You need to wipe, take a duster, and you know get it completely clear. And that's what we call having a clarity of thought, having a clear mind, uh, because you want to create something new. You want to, you want to seed, you want to plant a seed of emotional intelligence onto the blackboard. I look at solitude as a very powerful tool. And when you get into things like meditation, being with yourself, being alone, uh, you know, and meditation, uh, unlike the way it's being projected or popular belief is to lock yourself into a room and you know go to a silent retreat uh that's not that is not required at all you can sit where you are and practice meditation even for a minute even the minute solitude that you can bring upon yourself for a day is very powerful to create your emotional intelligence because that's the time when you're within your thoughts Wow. When you are having a straight dialogue with your thoughts and try to question yourself, the self-inquiry that we speak about can come with the meditation, with the solitude that you see. So, you, start, like I mentioned, you know, it can just start by a minute. Just try to take a corner of your house, sit down for a minute, just close your eyes and just focus on your breathing. Just focus on your inhaling and exhaling. Try that for a minute. Go back. When you come tomorrow, try that for two minutes and slowly you would see that you are improving on this practice. And yeah. as time goes by, you would find yourself doing it for 30 minutes in a day, for 60 minutes in a day. And that is, you know, you are really getting in, into the deep areas of meditation where you are able to focus. The problem that we have today is we are not able to focus on our own thoughts and emotional intelligence. The bedrock of emotional intelligence is focusing on your own thoughts not focusing on what is happening around in the world what is happening with american elections what is happening <laughs> with the oil price nothing it is only about focusing on your thoughts yeah we both you know both of us know that life is super busy and i'm sure listeners out there have a busy life too so how with with life being so busy how can you prioritize to make sure that you're spending time to work on emotional intelligence That's, that's the most important thing. And uh, because we are living busy lives, you have to take out time for solitude and meditation because as humans, we need to have that moment of void, the moment of nothingness in our life. We need to have that blankness because today that uh, I was reading this book by Cal Newport, uh, which is titled Digital Minimalism. And he says, today we do not have that free space. Today we do not have that time where we are confined to ourselves in our own thoughts because the moment we have that time we want to pick up our smartphones and get into our instagram profiles or our facebook accounts to see what is happening around the world or who has liked into our notifications or you know who has commented on our pictures i think we need to restrict that time that we put on social media into taking that time out you know and we need to identify what is a productive time we have to say no to a lot of things in our lives you know to make to make meaningful to engage with meaningful practices that we want to do. We have to say no to a lot of things. And that's how we will cut down on the busyness. We need to reduce the busyness that we go to and have a very definite slot 
for confinement, mm-hmm. for solitude in our daily lives. So what are you currently doing with your life right now? After being an author, uh, what do you do? Well, as I said, I, I do have a full-time job as well. So that's, that takes my nine to five, so to say. Uh, besides that, I keep blogging. I keep podcasting. Uh, I have my own podcast uh, channel. I podcast for others, for other uh, podcasters as well. Uh, what I've also started doing is I've started taking workshops for various corporates and individuals on emotional intelligence and well-being, where I bring out various scientific theories and I give them simple implementable formats which people can go back and practice and use that in their daily lives and you know create an experience that they never had before so i am being super busy i've been developing a website which brings all of this work together under one platform so that people don't have to go to various places to search my content everything is available under one roof uh, on one domain so it's it's great. I've just started work on my second book as well. Uh, you know, I've been researching on that aspect too. Uh, so yeah, I've been kind of busy. <laughs> What's your second so, book on? Uh, well, I won't divulge too much details, but uh, <laughs> if I the only thing I can I can say uh, is that if this first book of mine was able to touch your mind, the second book will try to touch your soul. Wow, that's that's phenomenal. So I know uh, I'm probably going to order one when I hop off here. Um, I'm excited to read it. I think emotional intelligence is key to people's lives. Um, and it reverts back to a lot of the interviews that I've done um, throughout my time. These three weeks here starting up this podcast. And I, you know, from conversation with you, I do think that emotional intelligence ranks pretty high on someone's scale because, um, you know, like I said earlier, social skills. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people lack social skills. And in turn, that uh, pulls them back into a hole um, and it pulls them back into not doing networking events or really putting their name out there or company. So uh, not only that, uh, I think motivation as well, like I said earlier, um, for emotional intelligence is huge. Um, I think motivation um, is one of the driving forces behind being successful and motivation can be struck from your body and your soul so quickly by experiencing failure. And that's why we talk so much on the show about failures, how to overcome these failures and really just sit down with people to listen to their lives and how they have experienced failure and what they did to really overcome it and achieve success. So at the end of the day, self-awareness to me um, is key to living um, a successful and meaningful life. So I look uh, forward to trying to read more into this. And I never really knew the topic until you and I talked about it the other night when you wanted to come on the show. So I appreciate you for bringing that to the forefront of the of the podcast and of this platform for the listeners to really dive a little bit deeper into their lives. Well, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, as I mentioned, uh, the, the stats of the, the world economic forum, which is considered to be the body, uh, to give ideas on what's happening around the world has listed emotional intelligence, as a top five skills to have along with analytical reasoning, uh, data science and so on and so forth in the next 10 years as an important skill to have. So, yeah. so the verdict is out there. It's only upon us on how do we see that? How do we absorb that information and how do we improve on it? Yeah. What's, uh, what's one thing you wish that you would have known when you were younger before starting your life? Oh, wish. <laughs> that's that's why because you know I've I've, I've been a reckless uh, youth. I've done a lot of <laughs> a lot of shit. Uh, in Everybody youth, has, uh, man. Which I would not be very proud of. Yeah. <laughs> I, but I think I think that's the fun of it. You need to do, uh, you know, all that shit. Everything that people say is not right for you, and I think you must do it because that's that's a life really truly lived <laughs> uh if you haven't experienced uh you know uh some really sh- shitty moments then i think there's no fun in it there's no fun in uh, uh living a life which are which is designed by rules and a certain template you know uh there's a quote which is on my facebook profile i think you can find it which which says uh uh, the biggest non-conformance of living is conforming to everything in life. And uh, I think we need to experiment that. But, but most importantly, I think by doing that, we also 
as you mentioned about failure and your shows about failure you know doing all those shitty things and having shitty values early in life helps us uh, to understand failure much better yeah uh, the concept of fail fast fail fast fail early and fail often which has been used in silicon valley uh, these which is a mantra it talks about all of that you know you you do you go at a speed where you want to break things you try out the unconventional stuff and you fail and in that failure you understand what makes you successful so that when you scale up or when you are at a point of time of life even if you do something wrong you are able to better cope with it so i think yeah. with all, all that i have done in my past in my youth i think i'm proud of it that i've done it i couldn't have asked for a better uh, youth a better time and i think i can give some tips on uh, carrying some shitty values as well to some of the youngsters yeah what what would, what would you what so, would you say yeah. <laughs> say I, I think uh i think go and experience it all uh, you know yeah. don't hold yourself back but always always uh remember that it's only an experience that you're trying to gain and you are not that uh you know uh, if you are a party you are gaining an experience of party you know you you don't want to be your party go for your life you know uh life has different parties uh you know lined up for you and you need to always see that you move from uh, heavy metal rock music into hip hop and rap and then maybe you move move into r&b and soul at a later point in stage so you need to upgrade your party levels at every stage in every decade of your life yeah it, it's funny because you know i asked that question and, and some people are like oh, i wouldn't change anything or some people would give me a like a, i would change this and i think the way that I see it is um, your experiences when you're younger really shape who you are when you grow up. And you don't know that when you're younger. And I mean, you live for the moment, right? I mean, you're living for uh, how can I make money to buy beer? or What party am I going to next? So in the time that you're young, you're not looking 10, 15 years in the future as to what kind of person or character you'll have. It's more along the lines of, you know, uh, self-gratification at an instant moment. Um, but I look back now and I wouldn't change anything in my life. Uh, I've done a lot of, uh, fucked up things and weird things. And it's really just shaped me to be the person who I am today. Um, and me being able to, uh, make decisions based off of, uh, logic versus emotion. And, uh, you know, I really wouldn't change anything. So I'm glad that you talked a little bit about that, uh, for the younger listeners. I think that in the moment of the time when you're young, experience all that you can experience because you don't want to look back and say, what if. I had it done this or what if I did this or didn't do this. So um, let's talk about challenges. Um, I know that we uh, kind of mentioned it in the beginning of this podcast, but if in a moment in your life uh, when you start to feel overwhelmed by the complexities of life, how do you simplify to get where you want to be? Well, that's, that's an interesting question. And, uh, I used to always have the confusion or the conundrum of, you know, what if I'm not able to achieve uh, the things I want to achieve in life or the destination that I want to be in? Yeah. Uh, how do I deal with obstacles and how do I deal with challenge? And then I stumbled upon uh, a philosopher, one of the most profound philosophers, modern day philosophers, uh, you know, who, who came out with this term uh, which says, Amor Fati, you know, the philosopher's name was uh, Frederick Nysha, uh, the German philosopher, I'm sure you might have heard of him, mm-hmm. uh, one of the greatest modern philosophers, and he came out with this term called Amor Fati, which says that you be in love with your fate, you know, uh, do not want, don't expect anything to be different, don't ask for anything to be different, just love in whatever is happening with your life, and that is so profound, because that completely shifts uh your view from what you want to go out there and achieve you definitely strive hard yeah you do whatever best you can to be at a certain stage but don't be dejected don't be disappointed because you are not there uh and that is so important that the the trait the or the art of loving yourself in whatever condition you are at right now is so difficult at times you know, we just spoke, uh, spoke about the question of, of talking about your youth and what we have done in the past, mm. you know, and, and or where we are right now. 
I am 38 today. So where where do I see myself? Do I think I have achieved the things I haven't uh, had in mind, or is there still something to go? Yes, definitely. There's there's a lot to be done. There's a lot to be achieved. Like I just mentioned about the things that I'm doing right now. But at any point of time, it it doesn't disappoint me. It doesn't. Even if I fail, it won't disappoint me because I know I have taken the best shot at it. You know. Yeah. Uh, I will not be in the guilt that I had the opportunity to do something and I did not do that. And this is the first, this is the opening line of my book. You know, when it's a quote which says, you know, when someone asked me the definition of hell on uh, on my last day on earth, you know, it would be the person whom I could have become would meet the person who I am. Wow. Uh, and... And I think that is that is very important to always remember and always remind yourself. Uh, whenever you get disappointed, you need to ask the question: Have you given your best shot? Achieving that or not achieving that is absolutely secondary. It's just a metaphor. Success is always a metaphor. Mm. The effort that you do, the effort that you take, is always matters. And like I said, Amor Fati, just be in love with your fate. Yeah, and that kind of brings me to a quote that Steve Jobs said, and it's one that's resonated in my mind forever. It's you know, if today were your last day of life what I want to be doing, what I'm doing today. And uh, that's just been a powerful quote to me, um, especially with talking about, um, you know, self-awareness and, and emotional intelligence. It's uh, knowing your worth, essentially. And know, um, you know, if you think about that quote, it's like, you know, if I were to die tomorrow or if today was the last day on life, like, how, am I doing what I love to do? Um, so uh, we're coming up, you know, Absolutely. yeah, we're coming up on the last 30 minutes, man. This thing has flown by. Uh, I feel like we've only been talking for about 15 minutes and uh, I want to give you an opportunity. <laughs> we've got about four minutes left. Um, was there anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to hit on this show or any questions you might have came up with uh, that you wanted to ask me? Um, if not, then we'll go ahead and wrap up. Well, I think your questions were, uh, were quite in-depth. It was beautifully designed. It, it stuck to the topic. It covered most aspects, uh, which I would have a lot to talk about otherwise. Uh, but I think when you started off, we, we spoke about uh, the cultural differences, you know, being mm -hmm. from the East and the West. Yeah. I, I I think there are, there are commonalities as well that we need to look at. Uh, my entire purpose... Uh, of writing shift left was to bring out those commonalities, bring out uh, the common mind states that youth go through, the challenges that they go through, the conundrum that they go through, and because of which they limit themselves to mediocrity, uh, because of which they are unable to question their own uh, limitations. They are unable to challenge their own limitations. Yeah. That is that is the basis of of shift left and. All my research, all my reading has been through Western book writers and authors. Uh, I have barely read uh, any Eastern philosophers or Eastern writers. Thinking, my line of thinking has been uh, for on the Western philosophy. But later on, as I went on to read about Eastern philosophers, I found a lot of commonality between between the two worlds. Uh, and I think when uh, we bring those commonalities. It serves a common purpose because problems and challenges, uh, grief, it's it's common. Pain is the universal language yeah. uh, that we see all across the world, and we can only help with our understanding, with our reading, with our knowledge uh, to help others and try and bring the good in others. Yeah, uh, I think that's the only time when we can see a better world. Man, that uh, I think that's that's all. About same. Yeah, that was beautifully said. And I want to thank you for coming on. I appreciate you reaching out and getting on the show. I think I've learned a little bit from this episode. Uh, like I said, I want to pick the book up. Uh, we got about two minutes left. Why don't you, uh, is it on Amazon? Why don't you tell the listeners how they can get the book? They can just go on Amazon and type in uh, shift left or. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, it's available in Amazon US. Uh, you just type shift left. Uh, don't worry, it's not a political book at all. It doesn't have <laughs> anything about politics. It's completely to do upon uh, to improve your mental well-being and to improve and sharpen your emotional intelligence. Uh, it's it's written in a very simple language, and I'm sure you guys will enjoy the book. Uh, and do not forget to drop a feedback or how you feel about the book on Amazon for a review, or you can even 
to visit me and write to me on my website, which is Roshan Shetty. That's R O S H A N S H E T T Y dot com. Um, and you will reach out to me and my content on the website. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Like I said, we're coming up on the last minute. I want to leave something uh, for the listeners to take away from this. And uh, something that I kind of wrote down is you learn more from failure than from success. Don't let it stop you. Uh, failure builds your character. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, that was a beautiful interview. Uh, go ahead and reach out. Uh, Russian has been a great, uh, great guest. Uh, hopefully we can have him back sometime in the future for a follow up on season two. And I want to thank everyone for listening to the Raw Talk and stay tuned. We have season one, episode 10 coming up, uh, probably release time uh, sometime in the next week. So thank you guys.